0: Hey guys, all right, here we are for our final week of the Better Together series clusters. Uh, If you're new to this, what we're doing is we're trying out a fun new idea where we create a series for the week. So for the next week, we're gonna focus on a specific topic or theme of the week. This week's theme is health, wellness, and nutrition, where some of the world's leading doctors and researchers share easy-to-apply tips and tricks that will help reduce bloating, improve gut health, alleviate cramps, and so much more. Be sure to let us know what you guys think. Share it with a friend who you think could benefit and enjoy. Our quote of the day, breast cancer is a pandemic concern and the numbers sure prove it. In the United States alone, one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer at some point in their lives. And that is from Dr. Christy Funk, who is our guest today in honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, We are going to be chatting with her about so many mind-blowing things. You guys get ready to have your heads explode. She created the most unbelievable presentation that she was sharing with us. And I had to stop her mm. because I was freaking out. And I was like, I just want to hear it with everybody else. I don't want to know until we all know together. We'll be better together. That's right?" Uh, so we will <laughs> wait. But man, she prepared the most insane um, presentation for us. She studied so hard to write her book. And it was called, uh, breasts, the owner's manual and learned so much. She changed her whole family's diet because of it. And, uh, is really helping to empower women how to, you know, take the lead on their health with, with nutrition, how to, um, help themselves. If they do have a diagnosis of breast cancer, how to, you know, stop recurrence. It was her who taught us that three cups of green tea That's a day. Right reduces your chances of recurrence by 50% um, and so much more. So we're going to be chatting with her. Of course, she's a top breast cancer surgeon and we liked, I think she's a real life superhero. So we're going to be chatting with her today. If you haven't hit subscribe on YouTube, now is a great time, guys. You'll never miss a show, never miss an amazing presentation like you're going to get today from Dr. Christy Funk. Of course, it helps us. It helps you follow us at Better Together with Maria. It is our hub where we can all get together and be inspired every day um, and, and be together. So if you haven't followed us yet, this is the moment we are really working hard over there to make it amazing for you guys. Oh boy, get ready for this. Dr. Funk is going to teach us all about the meat and dairy world. It's something that we discussed in our last episode when her book, uh, breasts, the owner's manual came out. Um, she is of course, one of the country's most sought after breast cancer surgeons. She's also the leading voice in emerging breast cancer research and prevention methods, especially as they relate to healthy eating praised for her practical and acceptable, accessible approaches. Her recent bestseller breast, the owner's manual is considered one of the best resources available for breast cancer reduction tips and in honor of breast cancer awareness month. Of course, Dr. Funk is coming back to the show. Hi, Christy. Hi, Maria. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming back to the show.
1: And and anytime I get to come on your show, it's a great day. Thank you. Well, I feel like
0: um, last time you were here, you were kind of giving us the broad strokes of what you as a breast cancer surgeon and doctor learned as you delved into nutrition, something that in medical school, you said was a very limited subject and something that your patients were so desperate for more information on. And I remember we had that conversation where it was pretty eye opening. And you were talking about, you know, having only 15 minutes with a patient. And by the time the appointment's over and they're asking, what could you do? You're like, ugh, ugh, there's so right. much. But you still, even then, didn't have the knowledge that you now have having delved so deeply into this world. And after I saw what the health, just like Mm -hmm. two weeks ago, which now I'm sure you've seen, I started to remember the things you were saying about some of our very supposedly reputable organizations um, that are supposed to be helping us through cancer, through diabetes, through heart issues. And supposedly... From what I'm seeing and reading, and what your research has brought to you, um, they're taking money from the very products that are contributing to the ailments, and so there is a conflict of interest, obviously. Shall we say yes? Shall we say? And it is just kind of uh, such a um, such a symptom of such a massive problem where you know money. Goes gets first place over humanity. And I feel like today, what we're going to learn with you is exactly what those issues are, exactly um, what we need to know to take control of our own health. Because at this point, we can't trust anybody else. We have to do our own work. Would you agree?
1: Unfortunately, I agree. And it's unfortunate because it takes a lot of work to do your own work. And meanwhile, you're trying to carry on with a successful career maybe raise some kids take care of a puppy what have you and figuring out where your food is sourced from or whether or not red meat is actually okay to have three times a week you know just random facts that you're hearing who's behind those facts and right down to the studies that you might read then you find out oh my gosh this was funded by the egg board that's why they're telling me to eat two eggs a day you know it's so disconcerting for the average American, and we just have to look at these trusted, reputable organizations. My favorite of all is called PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. They do all of the intelligent digging for you. If you go to their website, you will learn so much about how the you know the government talk about conflicts of interest, right? We're talking about certain organizations that are there for your health, the American Cancer Society or whatever, and they're getting money from big dairy or big beef. And so they kind of dampen the recommendations. So it's not as bad as it might sound if you read a paper or two, right? So And that's their conflict, but guess who else has a massive conflict? The U.S. government. So the USDA, the Department of Agriculture, in its right hand is supposed to take care of us Americans by creating, say, the daily food plate, telling us what to eat for maximal health. But their other job, they're beholden to the Department of Agriculture. They're beholden to the meat and dairy and egg and poultry industries to make sure that our farmers are profitable and survive. What a conflict of interest is that when what your farmers are creating is killing Americans? What do you recommend to people? How do you solve that issue? So I kind of wanted to dive into some of that today with you. And I also have a very timely warning for everybody. So right now it's COVID and
0: It's time to make your life a little easier, and to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them, too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black
1: dress. You're going to love it. This has created an incredibly serious, looming breast cancer crisis. In the next several years, you will see an explosion. <sighs> Of not only more cancer cases, but slightly more advanced stages.
0: I just got the chills all and the way it down all my has body. To do with COVID and people don't think about it. say that. I just got the chills all the way down my body. Really hard. It hurts. Why? What? Why are we going to face this?
1: So what's happening is a double whammy. First of all, because of COVID fear, women aren't screening. Breast imaging is down 62%. Breast genetics consults down 26%. Breast surgery, 21%. And are you ready? This is the scariest stat of all, and it's very recent. The August numbers week for week versus pre-COVID. New breast cancer diagnoses are down 52%. So your first reaction might be like, oh, that's great. Oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you, the cancer incidence goes up every single year since 2012 by 0.3%, a kind of imperceptible increase but it did not magically slash in half those cancers are there and by year's end we're talking around 120,000 invasive breast cancers that are there right now not sheltering in place not in quarantine multiplying dividing and spreading and at the very same time that these women are too fearful to get screened guess what's happening the biggest lifestyle risk factors for which we have scientific proof that they Elevate breast cancer risk and death are dramatically on the rise also because of COVID. So I'm talking about people not exercising, being sedentary, being completely stressed out, drinking more alcohol. I mean, the list goes on. These behaviors are inextricably tied to what cancer needs to fuel itself and thrive.
0: Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you.
1: So I really want to sound this alarm that women need to observe what their behavior is like right now in COVID. We could just take, for example, the quarantine 15, right? which refers to the freshman 15, the 15 pounds gained. Why is that happening? Well, people are making very poor nutritional choices right now, to say the least. They're stocking up on ultra-processed pantry items that stay stable for like six months to six years. They're cooking a bunch of comfort food, and we've got a lot of um, high-calorie, nutrient-poor foods that we're pouring into because it makes us feel better, the Mm -hmm. chips, the cookies, the crackers, the snacks, right? Yep. Then... Parks and gyms and public places are closed because of COVID and women's exercise fitness routines have completely plopped down on the couch with them as have they plopped down because guess what? They're working from home or not at all. So they're much more sedentary. I mean, some people I'm sure are going to listen to me like, you know what? Truth be told, I only got up three times today to go to the kitchen or to the bathroom. They're sitting all day long working. So there are solutions. They're going to take some, just mindfulness. They don't have to be costly, but you want to say set an alarm every hour and make sure you get up and walk around. It doesn't have to be a ton of super sweaty exercise to limit the damage that being sedentary is doing. Just get up and walk up and down the stairs a couple of times. Take a breather around the block. Or if you're watching TV, every time there's a commercial, do some burpees or sit-ups or jumping jacks. Put it into something that you're going to enjoy and do that isn't too long. If you're someone who actually loves to work out and just have gotten Derailed from your fitness routine. There's so many great, like YouTube workout videos you can get. There are ways to, like, a desk treadmill. If you're working, you can just walk mm-hmm. all day while you type. You don't get super sweaty, but you get in way more than those requisite 10,000 steps. And I also want people to realize, and we'll talk more about food because I love it so much and it's so powerful, but you need to start cooking some really nutritious foods and stop with stress baking.
0: Yeah. So my first thing, and we'll get to the diet, because I don't want to talk diet till we hear the things in our diet that we have to remove. But what I do want to know is the correlation, the scientific research behind exercise and breast cancer.
1: The main correlation is that exercise reduces estrogen levels. So Estrogen feeds and fuels 80% of all breast cancers. There's a little receptor sitting on the outside of cancer cells. Estrogen hits it and the cell is sent a signal to multiply and divide. And exercise reduces those levels. It also boosts your immune system and decreases stress. And stress is such kind of this ubiquitous but invisible stealer of joy. I wouldn't say that it definitely kills people, but that mind-body connection is so strong. There's one study that blows my mind and actually motivated my husband Andy and I to very big action. So it's called the LACE study, Life After Cancer Epidemiology Study. They looked at a ton of things. I get a great number of facts from this, but this particular Sub-analysis, looked at 2,200 early stage breast cancer patients, followed them for 10.8 years. And what they found is those reporting out low levels of psychosocial support and or low levels of religious affiliation and connectivity were 58% more likely to have died during that decade. And we're talking early stage breast cancers, it's not like following stage four patients. So that really should make people take some notice about how important that mind-body connection is, how not having a friend or supportive family can actually lead to a more inflammatory state inside your body such that cancer cells can take root in the lung, in the liver, in the brain, and ultimately take your life. So we've created breastbuddies.com. There are thousands of women already there completely for free breastbuddies.com pairs newly diagnosed women with breast cancer to those who have been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And they are paired age for age, stage for stage treatment for treatment. So you can literally be like, okay, I'm 42. I'm going to have a mastectomy and chemo and brrr, like match.com up, up all the women that are just like you, but they're through it on the other side. And then you can see something like, Oh, she has an eight year old. I want to talk to her because I have an eight year old too. And in this way, not everybody, you know, like I was saying, has a BFF or even a family that they like, but everyone can have a breast buddy. And I know that this has been so transformative for hundreds and hundreds of women. I mean, the response to breast buddies is incredible.
0: I can't imagine. That's crazy amazing that you came up with that. um, Because it is really challenging to go through these things. I know that's why Anytime someone reaches out to me for help with their brain tumor, I try to be as available as I can because I've been through it and I can help someone through, you know, come onto the other side of it. Um, yeah, so, so why don't we delve into? Um, well, before we get into everything, I want to know what tips do you have since so many women are avoiding their mammograms and their appointments. What tips do you have for them to feel safe going in to these appointments?
1: And to resume So we the medical community have been dealing with covid as long as you have and so we've we've rallied and we figured stuff out, right? So it's very safe and it's definitely worth going to get your screening if you're due or overdue. Postpone no more. So wear a mask As soon as you walk in, you can't even get into the building without your temperature checked and a bunch of symptoms asked of you. So you're only letting people who are asymptomatic with a mask, they'll give you hand sanitizer into the building. Then you walk in, you're like, hey, where's all the furniture? Most people are not letting you even sit down. So you're standing six feet apart. Here's a tip. Bring your own pen, BYOP, so you can sign your own forms with your pen. As soon as you touch anything, have hand sanitizer. Once you get your mammo done, sanitize again, and as soon as you can, wash with soap and water for 20 seconds. Really, appointments are being scheduled farther apart, so you're, there's no crowding at any time, and they're extending hours to later in the day. You should feel safe when you go to get a mammogram. Things have changed a lot since March.
0: Yeah. I was talking to a friend yesterday who's a gyno and she was like, oh my gosh, I feel so safe at work. We are cleaning like crazy. And and if I think about it, my mom has still had to continue her cancer treatments. And so she's gone into Cedars every month for her infusions and she's masked up and everybody's, you know, hand sanitizing. And so I remember taking my dad right at the beginning of like the COVID outbreak to his diabetes doctor. And I was so nervous, but they were super careful. We were super careful. So I think I think it's really great to sound the alarm. I would never have guessed that that many people thought that that was an elective that they could just hold off on. Right? right. Um, like I know I'm going to be flying back to the West Coast because I have my annual with my gyno and I have my physical. And I'm like, I can't miss those. Like I know I can't miss those. And I'm not going to push them to January because January is going to become February. February is going to become March. So it's non-negotiable. Exactly. Um so I think that's a really um good message. So without further ado, everybody ready for the horror show? <laughs> <laughs> Should we and do we have our candy corn and our I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is um a lot many 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 hours of research on your end, uh, Dr. Funk to bring us this incredible um, knowledge and research, and this plant this what do you call it, a, a spreadsheet of sorts. So you take it away from here and tell us what we need to know.
1: Okay, well, to preface it, I want I did a little digging because, again, another subset of that lace study that I mentioned looked at women who consumed high fat dairy, literally just one or more servings a day, versus those who consumed a half a serving or less a day. And they had a 49% increase in all-cause mortality. Now, I wanna say 2012, Whoa. just this year, 2020, a very large study following over 52,000 North American women, came out of Loma Linda University, this study, looked at milk consumption and the highest versus the lowest milk consumers we're 50% more likely to get breast cancer. So now we have causation and mortality. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack.
0: Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused
1: rates elevated because of milk. And I've done a deep dive when I wrote the book. I had a section in there on milk. That's when I knew about the LACE study. And it turns out milk has some healthful attributes like calcium and vitamin D and butyrate. And then it also has some negative things like the saturated fat and the hormones, pesticides and additives that might be in there. But it in many studies has a bit of a null effect. But then I dove a little deeper and I just wanted to share what I found. So let's see if we're getting if you're listening
0: (laughs) to this show on audio, continue to listen. But I beg you to go to our YouTube and watch this presentation as well. So carry on, Dr. Funk.
1: Okay, great. So here's what I want to share with you. If we look at U.S. milk cattle inventory, this is how many cows are happily roaming around or crammed into spaces in the United States. So from the 20s and 30s, we have lots and lots of cows. We're looking at over 25 million. But zoom, everything really starts to drop in the 70s and 80s and and levels out, and there aren't that many cows anymore. We're hovering around 8 million or so. Hmm. But milk production just is going up and up and up and up. That doesn't really make sense, except Mm. for one and only one fact, which turns out to be true, the milk per cow has also gone up and up and up. So how is that even possible, right? Did cows suddenly just morph to make more milk? Well, sort of, because cows themselves are genetically modified, and then they're fed super feed that's also genetically modified. And they're pumped with hormones, and they get antibiotics so that they don't get breast infections like mastitis and abscesses which they also get by the way it is completely legal in the united states to have two percent of your milk carton be pus mm-hmm. uh-huh. and that's just because there's so much abscess going on in those little milk glands of those cows okay. With, these cows are almost continuously pregnant or breastfeeding so as soon as they deliver their little calf it's taken away they're always being pumped for milk And then within three months, they're again inseminated. So they're always pregnant or just having given birth. And they're always lactating, which is a very high estrogenic state. So there's more estrogens in the milk we consume than would otherwise be there because of that. And the estrogens primarily reside in fat. So keep that in mind. Wait a minute. Now, whole milk in this same segment of the last 50 years. Whole milk is this light grade consumption, has gone down from an an incredible 220 pounds per capita all the way down to like maybe 40 or 50. And the skim milk has not really risen to any level that would account for that. So now we have a bunch of milk and nobody wanting it. What, a what can we possibly do? Wait, but is that because we've switched over
0: Dr. Funk, is that because we've gotten smarter and have switched over to like the coconut milks and the almond milks?
1: Really, the alternative milks were not in vogue in the 80s and 90s to the point where you would see the decrease in consumption. People just were not interested in uh, consuming it as much. And that whole kind of quaint world of home delivery, the milk bottles on the porch Uh, disappeared. That's where the got
0: milk ads came came from, right? They were trying to get more milk to be bought probably.
1: Exactly. And we're going to see, well, not only more milk, but here's what really happened, cheese. And the reason why this is a really great way to get rid of milk is that it takes 10 pounds of milk to make one pound of cheese. So you throw all of this milk into a huge vat. You throw a bunch of bacteria in there to make it smell like um, smelly feet. And then you throw a bunch of salt in there to stop the fermentation process with the bacteria. And what you have created is this So again, 10 times the milk into this tiny little chunk of ooey gooey, delicious, salty, caloric, fatty cheese. Here's an example, here's brie. A piece of brie, a wedge, the size of six dominoes stacked together, will give you 75% fat and 25% protein. So it's like pure saturated fat almost. And for those quick with math, they're probably like, wait, 28 and 21, how's that 75, 25? That's because, in case you don't know, each gram of fat has nine calories, but each gram of protein only has four. Mm. So now, when you eat this protein, it's called casein. And when casein hits your stomach, it becomes casomorphin. And just like that sounds, it hits the dopamine receptors in your brain, the same place that heroin and morphine would go, with one-tenth the signaling capacity, right? So you don't wake up in the morning with, like, Gouda tattooed across your chest, but you do (laughs) say, hmm... That was really delicious. I wonder if there's any more around for me to eat. Has you coming back and back for more? And in nature, this has its utility because what if a baby deer just leapt off into the forest? It would get eaten. No, it's addicted to mom's milk. It has these dopamine um, receptor activating properties in the case of morphine that keep you coming back and back. So new moms out there I'm sorry to break it to you but you know when your baby like zooms in on you because she is so in love with you and you are her be-all and all actually you're her drug dealer and that <gasps> is what's keeping the bond so strong between mom and baby wait but you know so Dr. Funk
0: so Dr. Funk hold up yeah if I don't give my future children milk or yeah milk are they definitely not going to look at me like that? Or do they really just look at you like that because of that?
1: Oh, they're going to look at you just because who could resist looking at your pretty face. But (laughs) you know, one nice trick too, is if, so the human milk has enough healthful properties. I'm not advising women to not breastfeed. I'm just simply saying that this is part of what God has designed in this mother child bond. But if you don't breastfeed, Really, the bonding also, besides the milk changes in the stomach, comes from skin-on-skin contact and smell. Mm. So I always recommend mothers who aren't able to breastfeed to feed their baby with the bottle naked from the chest up so that the little face is against your breast and then the bottle's there and they're smelling you and they're feeling the warmth of your skin and hearing your heartbeat. Like you just make it and she will look at you or he will look at you just as if you had given a little lacto crack. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So here we are with the baby knowing about this effect, but guess who else knows? The government. So, Dairy Management Inc is actually a nonprofit overseen by the US Department of Agriculture, the USDA. Whose function it is is to boost milk sales. Wow. So DMI spends literally 140 million of your tax dollars every year working with fast food chains to develop cheesy high-fat menu items and promotes them to the American public. Here's an actual thing that happened. So in December 5th, 2000, they had the cheese form, DMI did. And their whole thing was to say, how can we make Americans eat more cheese? Because we have too much milk, right? So now we can get rid of all this milk by having people love cheese and they already could be naturally addicted to it. So this is an original slide from that meeting obtained obtained by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine via the Freedom of Information Act. So in that meeting, DMI said, well, who are the cheese lovers? We've got enhancers. These are the people who throw a little bit of cheese onto the top of their salad. We don't care about them. We want cravers. We want the people who open up the fridge, swallow down a hunk of cheddar, and swallow down another hunk of cheddar. So let's figure out who these people are. And the heaviest users are 25 to 54. They like it as it is. Just give me the cheese, and they will eat more cheese than they already do, which is the whole point because we got all this milk to get rid of. Here's another slide from that meeting. What do we want our integrated marketing program to do? We want to trigger the cheese craving. So how do we do that? Do we run ads that just say, mmm, cheese is good. Mmm, cheese has calcium. No, you want to hit people kind of ubiquitously. And what's ubiquitous in America? Fast food chains. So they started with Wendy's. Wendy's, they created, didn't exist before, the Cheddar Lovers. Okay, we're already putting it in your brain. You love cheese. The Cheddar Lovers Bacon Cheese burger. This worked, okay, because they yeah. sold 2.25 million pounds of cheese with 380 tons of fat and 1.2 tons of pure cholesterol. Now, remember, our number one killer on planet Earth is heart disease. But I thought I'd just play this 1999 commercial for you, a little throwback. Oh, I like as much as you can put on it. A lot of cheddar. How much cheddar is enough? Tons of it. There's nothing better than cheddar. So Wendy's new Cheddar Lovers Bacon Cheeseburger is loaded with cheddar. A lot of cheddar on that burger. This is one heavy cheddar burger. Along with three strips of hickory smoked bacon and sautéed onions, there are two slices of rich cheddar plus our cheddar cheese sauce. Nothing's missing from this burger. Very cheesy. There you go. Wendy's new Cheddar Lovers Bacon Cheeseburger. You're gonna love it. When I lay awake at night, this is what I think about. That makes two (laughs)
0: whoa wait so so these things these these um goals of the dairy management inc group were somehow i remember my mom always struggling with her hair it's frizzy maria my mom would say in her greek accent what do you have i tried so hard to find her products i wish i could share these products i'm using now with her because i know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days so Please this is straight this really out of their cool presentation. So they had these presentations. How do we trigger people? How do we get the, the cravers to want
1: more cheese? Exactly. Wow. Yep. And I'll, I'll show you. Uh, so that worked so well, they moved on. So their Come next on. step was, okay, subway. I see you have two sandwiches. They don't have cheese. Let's change that. Hey, pizza hut. We're going to create a pound of cheese per serving on your ultimate cheese pizza uh taco bell burger king they hit it all you don't realize that it's actually a government sponsored program with a contract with taco bell that when you come to the drive-through they have to say or you know this is back then but you know there's a line and i'm making this up but it would be in the contract like you have to say good afternoon have you tried our cheese enchilada have you tried our cheesecake idea that was the deal Stop it. And then just in case you think it's over and I'm talking about 20 years ago in 2018, the DMI, which is the U.S. government, partnered with Pizza Hut to add 25 percent more cheese to their pan pizza in six thousand U.S. locations. And it just so happened to require one hundred and fifty million more pounds of mozzarella. And then McDonald's, for example, they worked with McDonald's headquarters to increase the amount of dairy products used in meals at 14000 locations. They created supersized cheddar cheese slices that were 30 percent larger on sandwiches. And they offered three new McCafe to coffee beverages, which, of course, needed lots of milk and cream. Wow! So in summary, in conclusion here, just to show you how well, say, the Pizza Hut campaign has gone for the first time ever, mozzarella finally exceeded cheddar in sales in the U.S. But look at this. This is 12 pounds of cheese per person. Per year. And I have to say, my little family of five isn't eating any of it. So that's 60 more pounds for (laughs) the rest of America to be out there consuming. I'm very concerned about how people get their information about what's healthful to eat because obviously there are ulterior motives. And I'm certainly not wishing dairy farmers to be out of work. Maybe we can repurpose the dairy farms to be soybean farms and flaxseed and make some healthier seed and nut milks instead
0: or maybe the dairy farmers can stop injecting things with hormones and stop needing to produce as much right so that we can go back to
1: real clean whole milk right that would be preferable to what we're consuming now But even milk itself has its own inflammatory cascade i mean we truly weren't meant in my researched opinion to drink milk beyond like two years old Um, it's, it's high in these fat and nutrients that you need as a little baby to boost your immune system and make sure all your cells are growing. But as you probably heard, we're the only species on planet earth to drink the milk of another species. It's kind of gross when you think about it.
0: Yeah. I also wonder, um, I mean, I wonder so much, but the, the fact that they, like, we don't even realize that they're really working so hard to develop these recipes. Like, that's crazy because I remember at some point I started to realize the connection between dairy and my breathing issues. And mm-hmm. so I remember when I would go out to eat, it would be so challenging. I'm like, man, dairy is in everything, even the salads. There's <laughs> nothing free of dairy. The vegetables are coated in butter. Everything has dairy. And so you never think about kind of the machine behind all of it um, until you see a documentary like What the Health or you read your book and you see this episode of this show. Um, So it's super important. So then I have some questions in the dairy realm for you, Um, especially as someone who is going to be um, moving forward with a surrogate, right? What kind of milk should my
1: surrogate drink? If she's going to have milk. So I think soy is the most healthful milk out there, but one in 2000 people have a true soy allergy. So the numbers are much lower. I mean, put it this way. One in 50 people have a milk allergy, like the milk we're all drinking and then eating in forms of cheese. So it's way less likely that your baby's going to have a soy allergy than it would be that she or he has a, a dairy allergy. Um, so soy has been shown in numerous studies when consumed prior uh, in, teen, in adolescence, so in youth and before age 18. High soy consumption confers a 60% reduction in future breast cancer. See, and we all heard soy was bad for so long. Mm-hmm. I cut soy out. Same. I know. I propagated that myth for 17 years as a breast cancer surgeon. I told all my patients to get rid of soy, because all I knew was that there were phytoestrogens, plant-based estrogens, genistein, isoflavones in soy. And I thought, well, that estrogen receptor that we already talked about today, it can't be discriminating, can it? Oops, turns out it can, because there's two different receptors, alpha and beta. Alpha's on the cancers, beta is not. And with 1600% more affinity, the isoflavones in soy are hitting beta. And what they do are two interesting things. They shut alpha down. So it's actually protective. Wow. And so it goes out into your fat cells where you have an enzyme called aromatase. And aromatase is creating more estrogen from precursors from your adrenal gland, which is why, if we harken back to what I was talking about with COVID and weight gain and my concerns there, overweight postmenopausal ladies have between 50 and 250% more breast cancers because of the weight well and also we have so much more adrenal fatigue
0: fatigue, too is that connected that
1: that overweight people have more adrenal fatigue
0: well in general i feel like all i'm hearing is people's adrenals are shot are shot
1: i mean that's more of a over uh, the stress response right that's chronic worsening in us but um so back to the soy it's inhibiting the enzyme aromatase So there are studies that prove that it does that all of the human studies have been done since 2009 and they are large volume and every single one of them across the board always shows a drop in breast cancer occurrence by 30 to 60 percent recurrence if you already have an estrogen driven or estrogen negative breast cancer in other words Soy has these anti-carcinogenic powers that go beyond this whole estrogen connection. So you're reducing recurrence by 30 to 60% and death by 30 to 35% in every single human study. Prior to 2009, there were no human studies and they would take breast cancer grafts in mice and feed the mice soy. And every once in a while, about 10% of the time, those tumors would grow. And I think that's where the bad rap against breast cancer came from, from anyone who went that far into the research, is that, but we're not mice. We're humans, and it doesn't always translate, and it didn't in this case.
0: Wow. Okay, soy is best. Do you have a type of soy that you love the most? Like, what brand should we be attacking in the supermarket?
1: Oh, you know what? Any brand that's non-GMO and organic because has to be both, right? Soy wheat and corn, pardon? Has to be both, right? Well, if you only have a if you can't get organic, then make sure it's non-GMO. Okay. And if there's only GMO, don't even bother. And the reason is with soy, wheat and corn, I'm very particular. We always have organic in the house for those products always because it's just the glyphosate is so dumped on these crops and they're they're grown in such mass amounts because they are the feed for all of the GMO animals that are out there, besides the cows, the chickens, pigs, all of it. Other foods such as berries, I would rather you had a not organic berry than you had an organic beef burger, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not just down to the pesticide level. I think having fruits and vegetables and legumes and whole grains, 100% whole grains, is more healthful and more important than organic except when it comes to the soy, wheat, and corn, I'd really do your best to afford it. I'm grateful that organics actually becoming quite affordable these days. Oftentimes, I'll go and look like bananas or something's cheaper organic than not. So yeah. just become a connoisseur of, of uh, looking at where things are coming from. With the soy, too, there's a lot of carrageenan added, which is a possible um, carcinogen. We don't know entirely. Carrageenan is added to a lot of foods as a thickener. Ah. So- So look for that and try to avoid it. Organic and carrageenan.
0: Okay, so what about almond milk and coconut milk? Like I steered away from soy milk. All I do is almond milk because when I make a smoothie, I'll have almond milk. I'm not drinking it necessarily. Otherwise, it's in my coffee or it's in my smoothie. Is that out the window? There's nothing
1: wrong with almond milk. The question becomes there's there's only so many calories you will consume in a given day. And since soy has so many additional health benefits beyond that particular nut milk, I always choose soy. We have a little almond milk in the house always for, you know, the occasional baking of something. Um, But really, we consume soy.
0: So the same thing applies, non-GMO and organic for those. Yes.
1: Now, when it comes to coconut milk,
0: coconut
1: Coconut oil is like 90% saturated fat. So the coconut milk, there's the kind, you know, in the cans that you use for baking and it layers out and that whole top is just like pure saturated fat. I've really shied away from coconut milk. Look at your labels and look at the fat. Okay.
0: Okay. Fantastic. Can I quickly ask about oat milk? I know this is the voice from nowhere. This is co-producer Jeff. How's oat milk, Dr. Funk?
1: Oat milk is delicious and nutritious. And I think it trumps... Um, wow. almond milk in my hierarchy. Wow. And it's really good in coffees. People love it in coffee.
0: I was going to say, uh, Jeff, she's going to say no, because it's so high in sugar.
1: Oh, well, you got to look at that stuff. You got to make your own if you can. Yeah, right? okay. that's how you control it. You okay,
0: got it. Low. So your yeah. own milk. Um, can you refresh everyone's take on sugar, especially if they're dealing with cancer?
1: So there's this idea that sugar fuels cancer growth and that's both true and not true. So in other words, yeah, that's sugar is the fuel source for cancer, but so is it the main fuel source for your brain and all the other cells in your body. What it really comes down to is where are you getting your sugar from? So if it's refined sugars in baked goods and bagels and just, little literal table sugar dumped into your coffee, that's gonna get very rapidly absorbed through your intestinal wall, spike your sugar level, which spikes your insulin levels, which then creates hyperinsulinemia. And this is a very inflammatory state. So now not only do you have more sugar readily available for cancer cells to consume and grow faster, you're creating an insulin spike and insulin screens at cells to grow, including cancer cells. So it's a really um, circular spiral toward elevating cancer risk. Now, same sugar volume, say, but in a big cup of berries, I'm not worried about that at all. Mm. It takes your body work and time to separate the sugar molecule from the fibers and all the other healthful aspects of that berry so that this has been shown in multiple studies. The sugar that goes into your bloodstream is like dripped in there slowly you never get the big glucose spike the insulin spike so don't shy away from sugar in its whole food form meaning how it you know it's packaged inside the fruit or vegetable don't worry about that it's the refined sugar that's bad
0: got it um and then um do we have time to talk about meat or are we gonna have to do that another episode
1: I think we have another episode for that one because. Because you get more charts. Talk about. What?
0: You got more charts
1: for that one, I bet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I actually really do. Because you know what's fun about that? And we should circle back around next time because I honestly want people to understand. Some I can get them to kind of understand that bacon and salami is probably not that good for you. And then I can get them through the red meat. But I also need to get you through the chicken and the turkey and the fish and the eggs. Because it's a natural, like, okay, I get that. But what about, right? But what about skinless, boneless chicken breast? So there's a lot to teach about that. In fact, a lot of what I'm saying now is the foundation work for the nutrition portion of my Cancer Kicking Summit, of which you were going to be a part, we got kicked to April of this coming of 2021 will be the virtual cancer kicking summit. And the next October at the gorgeous Terranea oceanfront resort is our live in person, God willing and COVID gone. Um, And a lot of what I'm talking about is nutritional, but there's so much more than that. I literally take my 25 plus years of being a physician and all of the pearls of wisdom that I've learned and I distill it down into 12 didactic hours of 10 different aspects of your life that I want you to focus on and cultivate to radically transform your health and your life. So nutrition is just one of those seeds that we want planted. But I did a lot of this research too in order to impart answers for people in a very kind of fun navigable way that penetrates you know that you you leave changed you're like I'm really not going to look at my chicken breast the same anymore
0: I know I quit so. chicken years ago and I have to say I finally made a connection because I quit it gosh I don't know it could be 6 years ago now and turkey I just started adding a little turkey in covid um but I I quit all of it. I quit meat too, but I got anemic. And so I reincorporated that in, but that will change as well after our meat episode. But mm-hmm. um I had a thyroid nodule that we were watching. And when I went to my physical last October, they said it had significantly shrunk. And I was like, "Well, where would that have happened from? Like what what could that have been from?" And now I'm realizing maybe it's the like having so fewer hormones coming into my body might be the reason.
1: Right. And when you consume meat, any animal protein and any animal fat automatically triggers a spike in IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor. That is the big daddy of them all. I think we talked about IGF-1 in a prior episode so Mm -hmm. people can harken back. And in the next one, when we talk about meat because IGF-1 is a prerequisite for cancer formation and for type 2 diabetes. So much so that if you don't have IGF-1, you'll never have cancer and you'll never have diabetes. There are people born that way, unable to use IGF-1. They have Laron syndrome, and no one in the history of the, history of the world with Laron syndrome has ever had cancer or diabetes, except for one lady had ovarian cancer in 2017. But it's still remarkable jaw-dropping statistics to realize that that is how important IGF-1 is. And that is where your focus could be indirectly by eating a whole food plant-based diet. You're never spiking your IGF-1. So you're not stoking cancer cells that may or may not, and benign cells, like an overgrowth of a thyroid nodule grows because of IGF-1, screaming at everything in your body to grow when there's an excess.
0: Wow. So that is um, very important information. And we are going to do a meat episode with you because I love that we broke it down to just dairy because mm-hmm. what happens sometimes is these things get so overwhelming and I'll leave and be like, how in the world are we going to do all of this? And how in the world am I asking anyone who's listening to do all of this? So it's great. Like, here's the first step. Like, here's your knowledge base on dairy. Here's what, now when you know the evil wizard behind the curtain and what they're doing back there. Now it's like, okay, you can make your decisions. Are we going to lessen? Are we going to slowly like tear down? Are we going to completely omit? What are we going to do here? So we have a lot to think about in the dairy world. I'm very much looking forward to our meat episode because I think that's, um, that's a whole other thing we need to tackle. And I know I need to be tackling it and, um, but, but this is enough for one episode. We'll we'll leave it right there. So for everything you need to know about Dr. Funk, you can go to www.pinklotus.com. There's info about Let's Beat Breast Cancer, the campaign there. You'll find, uh, recipes and all kinds of things there. Also, there's a lot of product on there that Dr. Funk, um, has. So if you guys would use our landing page, that would be amazing because it helps our show. Just click the link in the summary it's like a rather long little affiliate link, mm-hmm. Jeff says. So it's like pinklotus.com probably backslash better together all with Maria Menunos and all of her family members and her <laughs> dog's names and all of that. But if you click that link, that would help us. So um, thank you, to you for using our landing page in advance. In the meantime, if you are a Patreon subscriber, hold on your hats because Dr. Funk is going to make her incredible smoothie recipe with us this week, and a mocktail recipe, because as you said, alcohol sales are up. How much?
1: Online, almost 500% week after week versus pre-COVID numbers. So we need some
0: healthy mocktail recipes so that we don't damage ourselves any more than we already are um, by having too much alcohol and this smoothie recipe is, um, is going to be incredible as well because it has probably so many anti-cancer, uh, properties in there, right?
1: Every single ingredient has a purpose inside your body and you can get all of these recipes at pinklotus.com slash kitchen. Awesome. The and the smoothie.
0: Well, Dr. Funk, thank you so much. As always, if you liked this episode, you should check out our first conversation with Dr. Funk. It's episode number 26 for even more incredible, valuable info. um, Share this with your friends who are on the breast cancer journey. Share this with your family members. This is my most shared episode is episode 26. And now, of course, it's going to be this one too. Um, And if you haven't gotten her book, uh, Breasts, the Owner's Manual, it is a must. Even if you don't have breast cancer, there's so much in there you need to know so you don't get it. And if you have it, she has incredible information for you to help you on your journey. So do not miss the opportunity to get that book. In the meantime, follow us at Dr. Christy Funk, at Jeffrey Crane Graham, at Kel Snyer2, and of course at Better Together with Maria. And remember be nice people, make good choices, and be present.